Thank you, Greg and worship team, for leading us. It is good to be together. My name is Kurt, and I am one of the pastors here. I want to add my welcome to you this morning, uh, both here on campus and to all you joining us online. We are starting a new series uh, today on the book of Ephesians, and this fall we're going to be going really chapter by chapter through the book of Ephesians, and we're calling the series Life is Calling. And if you would like to follow along and you'd like to maybe go deeper into the topic each week, you can uh, go through it with your life group or if you're in a discipleship group, we're going to be putting out questions each week where you can follow along and go deeper with those questions. Or if you're interested in being a part of a discussion group that's going to talk about the sermon and you don't have a group, let us know. And we're happy to match you up with other people who are interested. The best way to let us know is you can use our digital connect card that is on our website. If you go to our website at faithcupsumner.com, right on the homepage, there's a new connect button. And if you click on the connect button, it opens our digital connect card. And you can just indicate on there that you're interested in a group. And someone will reach out to you and let you know that we've received your, uh, in- your request. And we'll work together to partner you with some other people who want to go deeper in the book of Ephesians. As we enter this fall season, with, as we've already been talking about this morning in many ways, the ongoing chaos and craziness of life in this world in this year, I don't know where you are personally this morning. I don't know what you come to worship with in your heart and on your mind and where God is in the midst of all of that. But what I do know is that these are challenging times for us as people. These are challenging times for us as a society, and this is a challenging time for us as a church, as a faith community of people who are called to love one another well. In the midst of ongoing pandemic restrictions, fire evacuations, delayed school starts, smoke filled air and all of the challenges that are raging in our wider culture, I'd like to suggest for us in this fall season ahead that the book of Ephesians is going to invite us to reflect on and to realize that life continues to call us to pay attention. Life continues to call us to focus on what's most important. Life continues to call us to see the opportunities we have to invest ourselves in the things that really matter. As we look to the Bible and to God's Word and we seek to find hope and direction for our lives, we see a clear contrast to the pattern of living that that God invites us to live into between the pattern of living in the world and the pattern of living that is revealed in Scripture. One pattern is influenced and motivated by a spiritual enemy of God and the enemy of humanity. And the other pattern is motivated and inspired by by the life of God revealed in His Son and empowered by the presence of His Spirit in our lives, who is God's gift to humankind. If you remember, perhaps, Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. A clear contrast between the pattern of living in the world and the pattern of life that the Bible invites us to experience. Wherever you are in your life today, whatever you're going through 
right now. I want to invite you to join us on this journey through the book of Ephesians to take courage and to renew your hope and to realize that even in the midst of difficulty and darkness, because Jesus is alive, life is calling. As we turn our attention to Paul's letter in Ephesians, there's also a second aspect to this series that I want to invite us to consider and to encounter as we look into God's Word. And part of this comes out of my own personal story this summer, where where I I ran into a season where I was feeling some feelings that I had felt in the past, but they were coming up again, and and you might relate to some of these feelings as well. These are are feelings that in my life and in my work in ministry, uh, I, I was feeling I was beginning to feel stress and anxiety and frustration and feelings of being adrift in a sea of too many decisions and not enough answers and ongoing changes over and over again and sometimes not even knowing what to think or how to respond. Have you ever felt that way recently in your life? Well, along with these kinds of feelings came, came naturally, I think, thoughts of, why am I doing this? Why do I want to keep doing this? This isn't fun. This isn't satisfying. This isn't enjoyable to me right now. So why should I keep on doing what I'm doing? No one in their right mind would choose to do this. Now, I hope I don't disillusion some of you this morning about your pastor, but, but these are common thoughts and feelings that pastors go through every once in a while. Not all the time and not always with a lot of intensity, but they're not unusual, and and they come and go in different seasons of life and ministry, and I was reminded as I was struggling with these questions in my own life again about how important it is in those kinds of seasons to go back and remember the story of my calling into full-time ministry, to remember those times and places where God clearly communicated to me that, that He was calling me into some unique purpose and plan for my life. To remember those experiences of of life and ministry and church that God used to shape and direct my life towards His plan and His calling in my life. And those people in those church communities, those individuals who spoke into my life and identified spiritual gifts in me and affirmed for me that God was indeed calling me into ministry. You see, when we go back and we remember our own story of our life with God and where God has been at work in our lives, we remember those places of divine encounter, those places where God showed up and where God clearly spoke into our lives and affirmed that He has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. See, when we take time to remember our calling, we start to say, oh yeah, now I remember I didn't choose this. God did. I didn't ask for this. God asked this of me. And I said, yes, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And God promised me that he said yes to his call in my life, that he would provide the resources. He would bring the meaning and the value. And he would make it all worthwhile because I wasn't doing it for myself. I was doing it for him. And the perspective on my own life and the purpose and the call of my life shifts again to take it off of myself and put it back where it belongs, where it's all about God. You see, that realization, that remembering, that renewed understanding of God's calling on my life gives 
me a renewed sense of hope and purpose, even in the midst of some of the life's most challenging and difficult circumstances? Do we understand that God calls people to enter into difficult and challenging circumstances on purpose? God invites us to see the pattern of life that he's revealed in Jesus who didn't consider equality with God or the throne of heaven as something to be held on to or or, or to be coveted, but he willingly let go of his own comforts and, and went on mission for God to save you and me. He put himself into dire, difficult, painful circumstances, even giving his life to death on the cross in an unjust, unfair betrayal and execution by the people who were supposed to love him the most. God calls people into difficult, challenging circumstances. But in the midst of that, he also gives the deepest meaning and value and purpose to life in this world that we can ever imagine. Because I remember that I do what I do because it is God who has called me to do this. I have a why for living that goes beyond my own wants and passions and appetites, which always lead me to dark and hurting places. See, God knew that full-time ministry would be difficult. God knew that it would ask me to go beyond my own limits. God knew that it would require me to face my own places of brokenness and weakness and to rely on His strength in ways that I never could have imagined and still have faith that God could use me for His plan and His purposes. And God promised that He would be there with me to guide me, to strengthen me, and to use me. Now please hear me clearly today. I share this personal story with you not to regain sympathy for being a pastor. Yeah, being a pastor can be hard, but it's no different than your life and and everyone's life. Life is hard. And my calling is not your calling, but it's in the midst of our calling that we discover where God is in our lives. I'm not looking for you to sympathize with my situation. I'm looking for us to commiserate on our experience of life in this world and what it means to be called by God to be Jesus' disciples. Yes, there are particular unique challenges to full-time ministry, and it's good to be able to understand them and to navigate them and to talk about them. But the reason I share this story with you this morning is actually just the opposite. I believe that the pattern of life and calling that I experience in my life as a pastor is the same pattern that every Christian experiences in our relationship with Jesus. Each of our lives has their own set of difficulties and challenges and are particular to our own unique stories and our own careers and our own families and our own responsibilities. And what the letter of Ephesians is, is going to invite us to remember and to recall and to learn deeper and maybe for the first time is that God is present in all of those responsibilities and relationships in our life. You see, in Jesus, God calls us into relationship with himself. In Jesus, God calls us to live our lives in service to his kingdom. In Jesus, God calls us to steward the gifts that he's given us, this gift of life that he invites us to give away to others in love. In Jesus, God calls us to follow Jesus as his disciples who reproduce other disciples. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19, Come, follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. You see, for the Christian, the Apostle Paul is going to remind us in the letter to Ephesians, and not just for pastors, life 
is calling. That if you don't understand the call on your life from God to use who you uniquely are for His purposes and His plan that He designed before the creation of the world, you're missing the deepest meaning and value and purpose for why God created you in the first place. For the Christian, life is calling. This is the underlying truth about the Christian life that we see in the book of Ephesians. This this Latin word that, that we're familiar with called vocation literally means calling. And it it might involve our careers, but our career, according to the Bible, isn't our vocation. Our vocation, our calling, our life purpose includes our careers, but it includes our marriage and our parenting relationships. It it includes our families and our friendships. It includes our role in our society, and it includes being a part of a community of faith called the church. Our calling is so much more than just the work that we do. See, without purpose, without calling, we can begin to feel like we're adrift in life. We're tossed here and there by every new idea or every crisis that comes along or every opportunity that we we have to consider. Overly influenced by our own feelings and our own appetites and overwhelmed by the enormity of the impossibility of managing life in a broken and in a messed up world, we naturally begin to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? suicide rates in our culture are skyrocketing and it's time because we've lost the sense of the purpose of human life in this world. Why should I go on doing this? For the Christian and for the kingdom, life is calling. What we will learn in the letter to Ephesians is that we are called by God on purpose. understand and discover the calling and the unique purpose of our lives in Christ, everything else begins to make sense and to fall into place according to His plan and His design. Now, if we take a, a step back and we look at our modern society around us, we know that our world is a mess, right? We know that our American culture is a mess. We're messed up people living in a messed up society with with just messed up values and priorities and messed up communication. And, and I mean, we're just messed up people. For all the good things that we enjoy in our culture, we seem to have lost all sense of definition and direction to, to human life in this world. Who are we really and what holds us together as a society? We all have a need to belong, but, but what do we need to belong to? Is there anything that deserves our full commitment and, and our sacrifice other than our own wants and our own desires? I mean, life is hard. Where do you go to find the resources to help make it in life? You see, in many ways, our society's moral guidelines have been erased. Are there any boundaries and values that function as legitimate guides for living? What is human life for anymore? And what is that buzz for? That is much, a, oh, we can all rest easier now, right? That, <laughs> for those of you at home, if you weren't hearing it, there was this oppressive bass sound in the room. <laughs> and said, thank you, Chris, and figured it out. What is human life 
for me, right? These are all questions of life and purpose. Now, I'd also like to suggest that the church is supposed to have the answers to these questions. In our day, our experience of church perhaps has fallen short of helping us to truly discover our sense of calling and life purpose. Yes, we are called to follow Jesus. Yes, we are called to join a church. Yes, we are called to worship on Sunday morning. But do we truly understand and uniquely work on God's unique plan and purpose for each of our lives? And has our church community helped to be that reflective mirror that helps us to understand and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has uniquely blessed and created and called you to be the person that only you can be? has a plan and a purpose for your life to be invested in the kingdom and to make a difference in the world. Do you understand your own life purpose? Paul begins his letter in the traditional style of offering a a salutation or a greeting to those that he's writing to. But even in Paul's greeting, it carries with it a meaning and a hint for his overall perspective on the Christian life. And so we're just going to look at his greeting this morning. It's our introduction to the the letter of Ephesians. And we're going to spend a little time unpacking the depth and the richness that Paul includes in just a few short sentences as he brings greetings to his fellow brothers and sisters. It begins in verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, as Paul understands himself and his own personal identity, his personal purpose, his calling in life is to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, uh, one who is sent out as an agent or a messenger or an ambassador on behalf of someone else. Paul is an ambassador of Christ Jesus, not because he chose it, not because it was his plan for his life, but because Jesus, the risen Christ, showed up and got a hold of his life and transformed him from being the greatest persecutor of the church to its greatest advocate. So much so that now most of the New Testament scriptures that we have were written by Paul's hand. You see, Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus, not because he chose it, but because God chose him according to the will of God, he says. And in the same way that Paul understands his apostleship coming from God's call and plan on his life, so these believers that he's now writing this letter to, he considers God's holy people. Or, 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 or more traditional translations in English say saints, right? To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful. In, how many of you feel like a saint this morning? No? You don't feel like a saint? I mean, what is a saint, right? We think of a saint as somebody who is holy and perfect. And they, they, they become so holy that they, they're almost angelic. And, and when they die and they go to heaven, you know, even the Catholic Church venerates them as saints, these, these perfect, replicable people that we should look up to. Well, well we're not all, we can't all be saints, right? That's reserved for, for the special people. That's reserved for the full-time pastors, right? I ain't no saint <laughs> in that regard. 
You see, but I think that we've allowed in church culture a misnomer, a misunderstanding about this idea of saintliness and holiness. And we misunderstand what, what Paul originally meant by, by calling Christians saints, God's holy people. Because in Old Testament times and in the early church, this idea of being holy had nothing to do with our level of perfection. It had to do with God's choosing to set a people apart for His plan and His purposes. Does that make sense? So, so, so as Paul became an apostle, not by his own choice or not by his own goodness, but by God's choosing him and setting him apart to fulfill that role as an ambassador for Jesus, so all believers are holy, are set apart, are, are saints because God chose us to be used for His purposes. So to be a saint or to be God's holy people doesn't speak about how good we are. It speaks about how good God is. And so when we we consider ourselves saints, when we consider ourselves God's holy people, it's more a a sense of transforming our identity of who we are and who God has called us to be, rather than our level of goodness or perfection that we've achieved at this state in our life. But you understand that when we say yes to Jesus and we understand that we have a call and a purpose, it puts us on a path to become more and more like Jesus. And so we increase in our holiness because we are reflecting the goodness of God in our lives, not how good we are. God's will has made Paul to become an apostle in Christ and in the same way God has made believers holy according to, Paul says, their faith. See, Jesus is the identifying reference point for both. God is the actor who makes both possible. Neither the apostleship of Paul nor the holiness or saintliness of Christians are points of pride or self-achievement. Both are conveyed by God in Christ as a new defining identity so that we can understand who God has invited us to become in Jesus. We can't acclaim these titles as badges of merit. We have to accept them and receive them and believe them. Uh, uh, It's a new defining label for understanding who we are in Christ. And it's this new identity that brings humility and amazement. When we sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, it's saying, I ain't holy. (laughs) But in Christ, God sees me as holy and has set me up to experience His holy purposes in my life. And so it leads to gratitude and praise and thanksgiving, and it leads to faith, and ultimately it leads to responsibility. Our ability to respond to this amazing grace that God has given to us. See, what defines these believers that Paul is writing to is not any feature about them, but about their relationship to Jesus. Now, we know that Paul often had to defend his own legitimacy as an apostle, right? As one untimely born, he says. You know, the, the original 12 disciples who got to walk with Jesus and eat with Jesus and minister with Jesus and, 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 and betray Jesus or abandon Jesus, right? Uh, those were the ones who were the true apostles. But, but Paul was, was a persecutor of the church. So he had to fight for his credentials to, to, to say that my calling from God is equal and, and just as valuable as your calling from God. 
But even here, he's not arguing for that. He's simply identifying that this role of apostle is a part of his understanding of the purpose that God has revealed in his life. The task that God had given him to fulfill in his life was to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ to the non-Jewish world, to all the people who had ever heard of Jesus. Paul's sense of his own spiritual authority in writing this letter is that he understands that this calling is simply a calling from God, by God's will, to represent Christ. See, the point for Paul is that he was an apostle of Christ Jesus because God chose him for it. It wasn't his choice, it was God's choice. It was God's calling on his life, and that revealed to him his sense of life purpose. And I suggest for us this morning that we too find our sense of life purpose when God reveals his calling for our lives. Our calling in life can't be separated for the purposes of God for our lives, and our purpose, the God's purposes for our lives can't be separate from his purposes that he's planned in Christ Jesus. It's all part of one whole. You see, just as he had, Paul had been appointed by God to be an apostle, so too we as believers are appointed by God to represent Christ in the world. They were holy or they were saints because of God's purpose and God's will. So Ephesians becomes an identity-forming book for us as Christians. As we read through the book of Ephesians, I'm going to invite us to consider how do the words of Paul help to shape and form our identity as Christians. Because until we understand our identity, we can't understand how God wants to use us uniquely for His purposes. But then I'll also suggest that, that the book of Ephesians is all about Christian community. And that Christian community becomes the environment in which we discover our unique identity. And without Christian community, in isolation, we experience our unique identity because we need the reflective mirror of other Christian relationships to, to teach us how we're similar and different from others and how God is working in us to bless others. And it's out of our experience of Christian community that we call church that we discover our unique identity and begin to practice putting into service these gifts that God has given. And so the letter of Ephesians is going to be all about identity that is found in community, and it's a place where we put into practice and begin living out the purposes for God in our lives. This idea of being the faithful in Christ Jesus is less a quality statement about the level of each person's individual faith in Jesus, and it's more what scholars say is a positional statement of where we find ourselves in life. It's a GPS locator that when you lose your way, you want to go back and you find out where, do, where am I in life. That we, if you are faithful, you are in Christ Jesus. You see, your faith in Jesus positions you into a relationship with Jesus where you are found in Him, the Bible says. In fact, in Paul's 13 different letters, the phrase in Christ or in the Lord or in Him and other similar expressions are used 164 times. For Paul, this idea of being in Christ, of experiencing union life with Jesus, about being united as one person in Him, is the most personally identity-forming reality that we can experience in our lives in this world. In Christ, the two have become one. 
more than any other letter, Ephesians focuses on this new reality of being united in Christ. 36 times in the six short chapters of the letter of Ephesians, Paul is going to identify the position of being in Christ is what transforms the reality of our experience of what it means for us. Now, of course, he says grace and peace to you are two critically important words that we also have to to understand from the outset, right? You cannot be considered a saint apart from God's grace, right? That's why grace is so important, because it's God's grace that allows us to be set apart to be God's holy people, God's called out people, God's people who live life on purpose. It's God's grace that gives us the freedom to not have to be perfect or not to have to feel like we're good enough or smart enough or or have the wisdom to be able to do that on our own. We can say yes to Jesus and entrust the power of His Spirit to work out the reality of God's purpose in our lives. Grace is the essential starting point for the Christian life. And yet Paul also always ends his letters with grace. Because ultimately, the end goal that God has for us is to experience the peace of life that comes from the gift of God's grace. When we truly understand that grace has been given to us as God's free gift, it leads to peace with God. And we experience peace in our hearts, the shalom of God, which ultimately leads to healing and wholeness and harmony of life in this world. All of us, can I suggest, are searching Grace and peace describe the saving work that God has been doing throughout history in and through His Son, Jesus. To be a saint requires us to to accept the gift of grace, but also to trust that that grace is sufficient to help us overcome all of our shortcomings and our mistakes and the things that go broken in our lives. Grace and peace come from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ together as God's See, the letter of Ephesians was written to people who were in many ways adrift in a pluralistic culture in their time. The place where Ephesus existed was in Asia Minor, which was a a crossroads culture in the ancient Roman Empire that was being heavily impacted by increasing economic global trade. Right? All the trade routes went through Asia Minor from the east to the west. And so as the Roman Empire expanded and, and global economic trade increased, Asia Minor became a crossroads for, for the nations of the world to, to pass through. It was also a culture that was marked by expanding military intervention that sought to establish and maintain the power to manage, control, and protect the economic and the political interests of the growing empire. It also saw the proliferation of syncretistic religious thought, which simply means that they sought to combine and to unify all the religious thinking under the umbrella of a kind of peace and a tolerance so that everybody could just get along, so that we could expand the empire and we could grow the economy and we could see everyone flourish. Is any of this sounding familiar to you all? You see, the economic, political, and spiritual goals of the culture of the time 
were unified by the political doctrine of peace through military strength and were expressed in the global vision known as the Pax Romana, or the peace of Rome. Can I suggest that today we too live in a pluralistic culture with an expanding economic empire that has a philosophy of peace through strength and win at all costs. And that in the culture of the Pax Americana, the grace and the peace of God sound like foolishness and emptiness. We live in an era overflowing with self-help books, inspirational talks, goal-embedded planners, all working to try and help people find a sense of meaning and purpose in the midst of the chaos and the craziness of the life of this world that we live in. Some people seek to find their purpose by pursuing their career. Some build it on a relationship or their family. Some uh, find meaning by helping to set up worship every Sunday. And all of those are important and helpful, but none of them are sufficient to give us the deep-down purpose of our lives. In carrying on our daily lives and seeking the peace and the shalom of God, we shouldn't forget that God has a greater purpose and plan for us in His kingdom that will never fit with the priorities and the values of this world. The Bible tells us that God created each one of us on purpose and with a purpose. He created us to be saints, to be set apart, to be identified for His plan and His use so that we could share the good news of His kingdom and we could be a reflection of His love and His grace and His peace. We learn how to put that purpose into practice in ways that bring meaning and value to everything we do when we align ourselves with God's plan in Christ and we align ourselves with other believers who help us to live it out. That's what the book of Ephesians is really about. Not only does it reveal to us that God has a plan and a purpose for your life before the eve, He even created the world, but that He has been actively working and continues to work to make that purpose a reality. And His invitation to us is to stop fighting against Him and to start working with Him. And what we discover is that when we start working with Him, God's plan to see His purpose to become a reality, we discover more and more the presence and the power of the Spirit of God in our lives, using us for our good and for God's glory. We discover meaning behind the story of our lives. We discover the design that God had for you and me uniquely that's behind the facade. We discover a pattern for living that leads us out of the darkness and the anxiety and the stress and the fear of life in this world and into his experience of his marvelous life where where things become clear, where things become joy-filled. Not easy, but joy-filled because we're living out the very purposeful life God made us the way he did. We can discover, Ephesians will tell us, the purpose of our lives. And we can begin to learn to work with God to discover our greatest meaning and value in giving our lives away for the name of Jesus. And men and women, if we think about it, isn't that what true discipleship is really all about? 
isn't discipleship about discovering the greatest purpose for your life. As we grow in our faith and as we discover more and more the meaning and the value to this gift of life that we've been given, we discover that we are the greatest gift that we have to give away. God has gifted you the blessing of life. Your life is calling to you. Are you willing to say yes to God and respond to His plan to discover that He has a calling on your life and that life becomes all about His glory? And in that sense, life is life. Are you ready for the journey? I hope so, because life is calling you on the journey. God, I'm excited about this new series and the letters to the Ephesians. I know that it has been personally challenging for me just to even begin to look at and consider its implications for my life, for, for our life as a faith community here at Faith Covenant Church. And I pray for each one of us this morning that as we begin to understand that we are called to be saints, to be holy ones, to be those who are set apart for a purpose. Would you give us the courage to open ourselves to possibly see and understand things in some new ways? Would you give us the the freedom to maybe rethink the priorities of life that we've had in this world and to to reset our agenda in this season ahead? God, as a faith community and as a church, would you help us to, to focus on the things that are truly most important for your kingdom and to help one another discover as we work together to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the body of Christ together in the world. God, use this series to speak into our lives, to transform us from the inside out, and to set us on a path to be the called and sent 